It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is a little bit different for me. If you have been following this podcast for a while now, uh, you know that I like to throw you some curveballs and some interesting guests, but I think this one might be my most interesting yet. It is none other than King Gordy. King Gordy, for those who may not know who he is by name alone, or if you're not a fan of his music, uh, King Gordy is a rapper from the Detroit area who's been around for actually a long time and has a very long storied career uh, within the horrorcore uh, genre of rap. And if you're not familiar by genre name of what that is, uh, that is in the world of your Twisteds, your ICPs, your your groups like that. Um, it was interesting to come across getting this offer for the interview for the Lars project that he's involved in with Bizarre of D12. Uh, but Lars stands for Last American Rockstars. And what's interesting is when this came across my email, uh, initially I had kind of figured that I would end up maybe interviewing Bizarre, and I thought how interesting that would be, having, you know, obviously grown up here in Michigan, being a fan of, you know, Eminem and hearing all the stories of D12 and, you know, the rise of them through the success of Eminem and so forth. Uh, but interestingly enough, I got offered King Gordy, and I actually think it was it worked in my favor for the better because... Instead of kind of going into the interview, having a, you know quite a bit of information already known about Bizarre's career and what he's been doing the last handful of years because, you know, of living, you know, here in Michigan and, you know, a lot of people keeping tabs on, on what he's been doing, King Gordy was definitely a curveball for me. And I think it's going to be a curveball for a lot of you that maybe don't know who he is. Um, but the interesting thing was uh, I work with a, a co-worker who, who's definitely a big fan of Twisted and ICP, and, and this this is his wheelhouse. Um, so when I went over to him at work and I was like, hey, I got offered this thing, um, I'll take it only if you'll help me with the interview. And basically what that meant was is that uh, on a different podcast, uh, a friend of mine's podcast, he did an interview with one of the dudes from Twisted, and I showed my friend Andy this interview, th- knowing that he's such a huge fan. And he walked away, or he came back to me after he was done listening to it, and he goes, you know, it was an all right interview. You can tell that this person really didn't know much about Twisted. Um, so it was just kind of a very eh interview. And while I respected the honesty of it, I, I mean, because I thought personally it was a really good interview as someone who's not super familiar with, with Twisted at all, but I definitely understood what he meant because there are a lot of times I listen to different podcasts and someone will talk about something and I'm like, man, you're... Oh, you missed it. Like you, you could have talked about this thing, and it would have been so cool if you did. And so I know what it's like to be a, a, a big fan of something and not feel like you're represented in an interview. And so I asked Andy to help me with this interview, not necessarily in asking questions, but what I wanted to do, and I sat down with him to do this, was basically sitting down with him with the questions I had, and I go, this is kind of my overall arc of questions that I want to ask, like my beginning, my middle, my end, and kind of like, you know, allows me to go through this this story and how I want to kind of ask it to have him have King Gordy tell me about it. And Andy was totally down to help me, and I, you know, definitely couldn't have done this interview without Andy, uh, or I should say I don't think this interview would be nearly as good as it is without Andy's help. Uh, Andy and I got together at a bar, had a couple of drinks, and uh, basically sat down with my pen and paper, and I go, here's my question, you know, what do you think of this? And, you know, Andy gave me honest feedback, and, you know, some of it was like, nah, that question sucks. <laughs> or, uh, you know, be like, oh, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I always I felt really good, like, when I would say, like, I'm thinking of this question, or, like, here's my question that I, you know, like, you're telling me, you know, about you know, some of these records that King Gordy was on or, like, some of this background of, like, this shit that's been going on, you know, within the label or so on and so forth. And it was one of those where I'd be like, all right, so, like, you know, if I ask this, like, is, that's a good question, right? Like, I mean, that's interesting to me as the person asking it, but is it an interesting question to you as a listener, somebody who knows so much about, you know, this this collection of people, this collection of artists? And, you know, when I got Andy, like, smiling and laughing at a question or being like, yo, that's a really good fucking question. I, I want to know the answer to that. I knew I was on to something, so it was really great to have Andy help me 
bounce ideas off of. Like, like I said, I knew I had the questions, but I would go to him and, you know, he would help me fine tune them and, you know, maybe provide a little bit of a background that I may not have known or couldn't find on the internet, you know, cause I got about a, about a week to do this interview. Uh, and in addition to all the inter- other interviews that I do sometimes, like I'm super cramming on some of this stuff, like trying to find questions that maybe have been asked a bunch and try to stray away from those and find my own interesting questions to ask people. And, you know, some people, you know, could say like, oh, you know, you took, you kind of cheated and took the easy way out. But what I hope people walk away from this interview or any of them do, especially, but mainly this one that I'm talking about now, what I really want people to walk away from this King Gordy episode with is the fact that I respected his career and his legacy and the fandom of Juggalos everywhere that I didn't want to have people be disappointed with this interview. And one of the more interesting takeaways, actually, because I let Andy listen to this as soon as I had gotten off my lunch break. I actually did this on my lunch break, which is the first interview I've ever done while at work. Um, But I literally took the computer over to Andy and just let him listen to this raw, unedited episode. Like, no bells, whistles, all that kind of shit. Just, Just how it was. And what was really cool, and I felt like I accomplished my mission when Andy was like, man, that was probably one of the more serious interviews I've heard him do. And, you know, the things he talks about in this were were really surprising like I didn't know he was going to say any of these things so it's one of those that I feel like I, I I did my job like as a super fan of this style of music that Andy is if even he was a fan of this episode and and how it came across and how it came out then then I think I did my job and at the end of the day that's all I can that's that's what I try to do I, I want this isn't a job per se like no one's paying me to do this far from it but it's one of those that I want people to walk away feeling like I invested my time to bring forth a quality product. Uh, I'm really hard on myself with a lot of these things, and I I think that sometimes I'm not good at this. So uh, it's a great, great quality to have when you're basically creating something and kind of putting yourself out there to to constantly wonder if what you're doing is good and always second-guessing it. But uh, I'm really proud of this episode. I have been saying all year that I wanted to branch out and get all kinds of different people on this podcast. And this is a great example of a step in that direction of getting someone that's not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but still feeling confident enough to to talk with this person for you know, 30, 40 minutes and putting out a quality episode. So huge thanks to Andy Holmes uh, from my job uh, for helping me with this. Big thanks to King Gordy for allowing me to take, you know, 30, 40 minutes of his time and do this interview. And also thank you to Natalie from Adrenaline PR for setting this up. Um, she's been really great in helping me get some guests that are different and that I may not have access to without her, obviously. And so I just want to thank her for allowing me the opportunity to do some of these interviews that I've done between Justin from Vexus and the Dave Shivari episode and, and now this one. So I just want to thank... Uh, everybody involved for helping me make this episode. I think this is a good one. It's definitely a step in a different direction that I wanted to go in all year. So without further ado, this is my conversation with King Gordy. Hey, is this King Gordy? Yep. How are you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me one? I'm pretty good, bro. Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Pretty good. Yeah. Cool. So I'll just kind of cut right into it then and, and make the most of our time. Okay. So I have the pleasure of sitting here with uh, King Gordy, one half of the Last American Rockstars, which also features Bizarre of D12. They have a record coming out on February 16th uh, through the Magic Ninja Entertainment label, uh, also called Last American Rockstars, or Lars for short. How are you doing today, King Gordy? I'm doing beautiful, brother. How are you? Doing great. Uh, get to take an extended lunch to talk to you, so that's a, a pleasure to uh, be able to do such. Sweet. So... In kind of doing my prep for my conversation with you, uh, I kind of did a deep dive, and uh, while I've 
kind of been aware of, of you as a whole since, you know, being here in Michigan and obviously uh, with the ICP stuff and Twisted and, and so on and so forth, kind of having a deep root here in Michigan and you yourself being from Michigan as well. Um, it was one of those things where, you know, I kind of focused on the lyrics, which I think is something a lot of people do when they when it comes to your music. Um, so something I kind of wanted to know is, you know, you, you in the genre that you're in, which we'll call it. I believe it's just kind of called horrorcore. I hate, I kind of hate genres and labels, so I never know exactly if that's uh, the way to say it. But uh, that's what it is. That's what it is, though. Yeah. Okay. It's some people. Music. I was gonna say some people kind of frown upon, frown upon it, and especially with uh, that King Crimson thing on Doctor Phil the other day. Uh, you know, there's people getting all up in arms about labels, and you know, it's just rap, or it's you know, so on and so forth. So I, I kind of get kind of weirded out when I have to try to put a label on the genre or whatever. But I kind of had wondered with your lyrics kind of being as outrageous and, and all that as they are to a lot of people who aren't into the genre, is there a line for you? Like, do you have a line where even you are like, damn, that's too much. I can't fucking say that. No, because everything that I've ever really said, I've seen in the news. That's a good point. That is that is true. So, you know what? That's funny to me. It's like, you know, motherfuckers, like people are like, uh, um, you know, go on the internet or well, they don't go on the news and they'll see all the shocking stuff. You know what I'm saying, and but yeah, I guess it draws them to it because they'll look at it or whatever. But you know, when I say it, it just gets so offended. It's just weird to me. But but like I tell people all the time, everything I've ever said, I've seen on the news. That's a, that's a very good point. I, I guess I, I mean, I try not to watch a lot of that shit just because it's like it's easy. As I kind of call the borrowing from uh, Jamie Josta, the outrage of the day, and it's like it seems like people get shitty about one thing, but then you know it's like that's not really a story, like. You know, there's so much worse shit going on. Like, why aren't we paying attention to that anymore? Exactly. Um, I guess but the, the follow-up question to that was, do you ever feel like you'll run out of things to say that may be shocking to some or thought-provoking or whatever? But in the day of the 24-hour news cycle and, and a lot of the crazy shit that goes on in our day-to-day, I guess it's not really possible. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, okay, so, you know, in my era coming up, when you say uh, – you know, I'll fuck a fag in his ass, or right. You know, um, you know, or you know, what I'm saying or some shit like that. People thought that shit was funny. 2017 or 18, they don't think that shit's funny. No, they. Do you know why? Because social media has given people a voice, sir. Yeah. Back when we were coming up, there was no, you know, saying people just, well, you know, quite frankly, people just hadn't heard shit like that, and and when when you when they would hear it. They will just be like, oh, man, this just fucking the craziest shit I've ever heard. But now, if I say, yeah, I fuck a fag in his ass, they come up the LGBT community. Right. They come motherfuckers that saying, oh, man, Gordy, you, you know, they say you're being homophobic. I'm like, wow. If you think about it, the planet Earth does not have a sense of humor right now. No, and it's funny, you know, kind of talking about that. Like, I, uh, here at my job, I work for a screen printing company. And so a lot of times we have some kind of shit that's sort of it's a lot of weed and and things like that like weed and like you know we have a shirt called fuck your face that we're getting ready to make for a company <laughs> so i mean there's just okay. kind of all shit like that but what's kind of funny is like since we get to listen to music i was playing at the time the body count record that had just come out and someone was like man body count i haven't listened to them in so long i didn't know that they were still a thing and i was like this is actually their second record in the last handful of years and, you know, it was right. kind of catching some shit, you know, because Ice, you know, was making, you know, talking about, like, you know, snatching up, sh- you know, robbing people, you know, on the internet, basically posting out all their, like, fucking money and their goods and all that shit. And he was like, no, this is just how it is. Like, that's how people look at it. You're a target. You're not a victim yet. And so, you know, right. as we were talking about it, I was like, man, you remember, like, back in the day, like, when Cop Killer came out and, like, the NW, like, I had to explain to my wife after watching Straight Outta Comps and, like, all this shit happened and there was, like, you know, because I was a product of the MTV generation and she was not. So it's like there's a lot, like a good chunk of the early 90s that she just wasn't aware of these things happening. And so it was kind of interesting. Right. I was like, oh, man, like, you know, NWA was like getting shit on for basically talking about their day to day life. And, you know, I see the same thing. Like, you know, he was kind of a hustler and shit like that back in the day and used to do some shit to make money and make ends meet. And people were looking down upon it, like, you know, saying like, oh, this is made up and we shouldn't talk about this. And it's like, no, that's my everyday fucking life. Like, this is what happened. And you know, it's kind of a, a good point that you're saying. Like, before we had the internet, people were still getting shocked that people were telling stories that were happening to them, basically, on a day-to-day basis. But I guess just no one right. really wants to hear it. So I guess, like you're saying, you're taking stuff from the news that we're seeing day-to-day. And I guess maybe, like, you know, you're kind of taking it to that nth degree. But people just aren't willing to, to face the reality of some of the things that they see on a day-to-day. 
when you put it into a more yeah, of an art form. Times have changed. Times have changed, brother. You know what I'm saying? It ain't, it ain't funny no more. That's what I'm just what I'm saying. I don't care. I'm still going to make songs <laughs> that's overly offensive and say crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? I'm an underground rapper. Right. You know, so that shit only hurts you if you're mainstream. Right. Speaking kind of to you being underground, I was kind of wondering, is there... Is there a contemporary, maybe say a, a, a necro or, or something like that, that inspires you to maybe want to up your game on a on a artistic level or a musical level at all? Oh no, because I'm the greatest horrorcore rapper that has ever lived. So nobody that you could ever name is lyrically better than me. So how do lyrically? You, what what do you? How do you find your motivation to outdo yourself then? If you are the the I don't try. I just do what I do, man. I you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm Vince Van, I'm Van Gogh, bro, I'm Picasso. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when I write, I'm always going to be here with it. It's always, the wordplay is always going to be insane. The patterns are going to be uh, above, above high level. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, listen, you got to look at it like this, bro. When you listen to horrorcore, 90% of the rappers are, faces have been painted because they want to sound like the people that they that inspired them. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So what that brings is a lot of copycats. Okay. And a lot of people that's not trying to be lyrical or like that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, shout out to ICP, you know what I'm saying, and everybody, and, you know, but it's like to me personally, I just feel like nobody's just trying to be super ill. They just want to say some dark, twisted, like, type of shit you know what I'm saying? Crazy shit, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? And have and have a, like a little baby, nice little stage presence, but they don't care about. See, that's a good thing about me, man. I'm from Detroit, and I came up around both eras. I came around around the Eminem, Royce the Five Nine, D12 era, and the ICP, Twisted, you know, House of Crazies, Ishaba, Holy era. So right. I have, see, I have the best of both worlds going for me: lyricism and the horror dark shit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's why people gravitate to me more. Do you – was it kind of hard, do you think, like, in a – as you're saying, like, in a, an era of kind of copycats and shit like that, do you think that it was, made it easier for you to stand out against everything that had been going well, that's on? that's exactly how I stood out. Well, first of all, I'm black. Not many <laughs> not many uh, black rappers do horrorcore. Right. Is what? Me, Brother Lechong, um, Psycho from Insane Poetry – I mean, there's a few others out there that do it, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, but I'm saying, like, you know, like, so when we do it, we got to be really sick with it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's going to be hard for a lot of people to accept us because we are black doing hardcore music. You know what I'm saying? Which right. I've been doing since the 90s, since the late 90s when I was young as hell. So, <laughs> um, Kind of speaking to to some of those those different acts and so forth uh, and your the label that you're on, the Magic Ninja Entertainment, uh, I was kind of wondering what it was like signing with them and kind of – I was trying to find a way to word this better than I, I think that, that I did. But being welcomed into the Juggalo family on, a, on in, like, label form, if that makes any sense. And was there any no, – Well, you know, well, first of all, it's Juggalos that love me and it's Juggalos that hate my gut. And that's kind of what you I what like, kind of found when I read comments yeah, on different like, stuff. Like, I don't, I don't – I didn't just get signed to M&E and the, the Juggalos that – you know, because there's some Juggalos that don't like them. Because of the whole ICP, right? Uh, you know, twisted shit. So it's like it's like split. You know what I'm saying? So and so. Okay, so if you hated me, and now you don't like twisted, you really hate me, right? You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. That's how I look at it, and I love it. I love <laughs> that shit because Magic Ninja Entertainment, literally, all everybody that's tied to their to the label can wrap circles around anybody. Right. Chimoski, Lex, Monoxide. Now, now, I'm telling you, man, Paul, everybody I know is literally will just smoke motherfuckers, man. Jamie, man, every, like, I, I personally feel. That's why I I wanted to sign to that label because even though they, you know, they do the face paint shit, they still try to be dope. Right. That's dope to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit, man, Jamie and Paul, man, they, like, over here in the swarm, and they're going crazy on there, man. They, lyrically, it's insane. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I like about it, because I am an MC, and no matter what we do on Horrorcore, whatever, if you're trying to be dope at it, and you're trying to, you know, actually have a dope pen, mm -hmm. then I fuck with it. And that's why I fuck with Magic Ninja. Uh, it's 
actually kind of skipped ahead a little bit to the next one of the questions I had about as far as being on the label. Uh, but I was wondering if there was maybe any added extra pressures of making this album on on the label itself, uh, wanting to kind of prove like your haters, like, yeah, like we're the best over here and so forth. No, man, first of all, we can put the best album out in the world and they're going to say that shit's garbage. <laughs> that is true, haters. I'm don't. serious. Because they have it already set in their mind that they're not going to like it. The ones that like it will love it. The ones that the ones that support us. And that's, see, here's my thing. I'm talking to the ones that love us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't do anything about a hater unless he puts it in his mind to listen to it and say it's dope. But if he doesn't want to say it's dope and he already has his mind made up, you're not going to make it up. I don't care. You have the greatest song on earth. He's still going to say it's whack. You know what I'm saying? So I, when I have to appeal to the ones that love me, and people who may have never heard of me so that they can get a listen and say, oh, that shit's dope or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I can't, I'm not trying to peddle. I'm not trying to peddle my music to people who already have an opinion that they're going to hate me. There's no need for me to go to that market. So that, that's where I met with it. So I don't give a fuck who likes it or not. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is what it is. I put my music out for me okay. because I feel like, yo, man, these are my thoughts. This is, the sick shit I want to say. If you happen to like it, that's great. If you would become a fan of King Gordy, I would. That was that's an honor. You know what I'm saying? I'm I've I've always said that I've never not signed an autograph. I've never not took a picture because I love people that love me. You know what I'm saying? That's just bottom line. I'm a right. king. Um, some, but something I was kind of wondering. I mean, you already had mentioned Gmo Ski, that I was wondering with you know the the people the roster that uh. Uh, the label has, you know, between like Gorilla Voltage or G Moski, as you mentioned, or even Boondocks, like if you're excited about collabing with, with these artists and kind of, you know, just, you know, getting to kind of get into a booth and kind of like create new stuff with all these people. Yeah, definitely, man. You know, if, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I'm a, we're on Magic Digital Entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Me and Bazaar. You know what I'm saying? We, our label mates, we love and respect all of them. You know what I'm saying? We're just trying to be our own entity within it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when it's time to do shit, it's time to do some family shit, we cool. You know, so we, we, I'm, I'm always down. I will collab with anybody on my label. You know what I'm saying? Especially Young Wicked. I fuck with Young Wicked heavy. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I always, I think he dope. You know what I'm saying? So, but I fuck with all of them. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, we all got our favorites that we like. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. It is what it is, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? You know? And, you know, it is what it is. King Gordy is King Gordy. You know what I'm saying? I'm an entity with it myself. You know what I'm saying? And I just, you know, I'm just a part of a family that that, that sees the same vision that I have. That's, all, that's what it is. It's just kind of interesting because you don't see... A lot of times it seems like in the industry that a lot of bands just get signed and, and you know, you sometimes hear... Excuse me, with like, you know, Twitter and, and podcasts and stuff like that, people basically kind of shit talking some of the other people that may be label mates with them. Or even in the in some instances, like I, I did a conversation with somebody, they were in a band that toured with Pearl Jam because they were on the same label, but then Pearl Jam basically was like, yeah, we don't want these guys on the, on the tour anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like you see oh, wow. a lot of shit where it's like the other artists on the label aren't always so tight with that like across the board so it's always interesting to me that mm -hmm. like you guys seemingly from an outsider's perspective are really tight you all enjoy what you do you it kind of are inspired by each other because of like like you said like how hard everybody goes to just be the best that they can be and it's it's kind of refreshing to me to sit there it kind of reminds me kind of going back like it reminds me of like the old like you know death row and stuff like that where it's like everybody was on everyone's shit everyone was like man i heard the new whatever track that so and so was laying down and you holy shit wait until you fucking hear that and things like that right. it's like i don't see that anymore i don't see that like family collaborative kind of thing anymore within a label or within the artists on a label even so it's kind of refreshing to see you know everybody on the label seemingly being very pro everybody on the label. I think that's how you build yeah. a thing and make it bigger outside of the fans themselves. Yeah, this is a real family over here, man. We're, you know what I'm saying, they, you know, George cares about his artists, man. Paul, Jamie, they care, man. You know, so they, you know, they want to listen to your shit, see how your shit coming along, you know what I'm saying? They, you know, they give you full creative control to do what you want to do, but man, it's just, it's to me, it's just, you know what I'm saying, especially becoming a hardcore shit, you know what I'm saying, I've always been a fan of the Twisted, so like, 
you know, I've always wanted to work with him. We've done, like, you know, a song or two in the past, but, like, it's, it's just cool to, like, be a part of or be down with some guys that you always thought was dope, too. You feel what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah. I always admired them on, on Psychopathic Records. I, I used to tell them, like, man, y'all, to me, y'all the dopest ones on the label, like, lyrically. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always thought that. You know what I'm saying? I always thought lyrically they were, you know, way better than, you know, Jay and Shaggy. And, then I, and I got mad love and respect for Jay and Shaggy. You know what I'm saying? But I just felt, you know, what? it just almost felt like to me, like, Twisted them just was the ones that, I always felt like this, man. I always felt like ICP, you know what I'm saying, should just should have been like, yo, we are going to do the fe- big festivals, you know what I'm saying, but yeah. we're going to pass the torch to y'all. Yeah. Y'all are young, y'all are, you know what I'm saying, y'all are MCs, y'all carry the brand, and you know what I'm saying, get the young kids, and you know what I'm saying, y'all will be the face. When it's time to do the gathering, we'll come out and do big shows, we'll even do, you know what I'm saying, shit like that, but I just felt like, had they passed the torch to twist it, I just think things would have been... This is my personal opinion. I'm, motherfuckers can cuss me out or whatever the fuck. No, I don't care. Man. It's it's kind it's of funny because like, with a lot of shit like this, I, I can't help but think... like I'm an avid wrestling fan. So it's one of those... Like When I hear this, mm-hmm. it's like... It's the old talent not putting over the new talent and then basically the... You know, as a result, like they see a steady decline because the fans are like, "Man, this shit's like I'm tired." Like, you know, in today's day and age, it's like I'm tired of seeing the Hulk Hogan's. I'm tired of seeing the John Cena's always fucking winning. Like, and you're burying your new talent when the new talents was supposed to take you to the next ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. And it's funny exactly. that you keep saying that because I was just thinking, I know ICP is like they're big into the wrestling scene and so forth. That it's like you would think of all people, they would be like, "Hey, you gotta like put over the new talent and kind of help them keep your stock and your thing going because it's gonna be what keeps yeah, never, it going." Never try to keep somebody but you know that's what i'm saying you know sometimes people just feel like that sometimes you know like i don't i don't know their their personal business no, 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 no i don't you know what I'm, saying? I, I, I'm just saying like i say i have nothing but respect for violent J and shaggy too dope so like i you know what i'm saying i just like i said i don't just it's my personal opinion i just felt like they should have just been like yo y'all are going to be the face of this right. you know what i'm saying like yeah we've done our thing we're rich as fuck you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. all time to shine. You know what I'm saying? You know, they still be getting percentages and shit like that. So they still still look like they would you know, they, they would have still been eating. They could have came out did the gathering. It probably would have been bigger, especially yeah. if you okay, you got twisted out here as your face and you can only see I C P at the gathering. Yeah. Come on, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just makes better that, business that, sense. That to me would be more strategic to do. Yeah. But that's just me. And that's just my personal opinion. It is not law, I'm just saying. Yeah, um, but none of that matters now because guess what? Magic Ninja Entertainment, we they have their own thing going. They're doing what they're doing. ICP is doing what they're doing. They're still productive. They're still winning. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But you know, like I said, at the end of the day, twisted. We all together, man. We are the brand new underground. You know what I'm saying? That's really, really real. Like, you know, we're we're hungry. You know what I'm saying? Is is you know, it's, it's been a while. It's been three years since I put out an album. You know what I'm saying? So. I think that's why I'm being he- so heavily critiqued is because they haven't heard me so long. And then, you know, now I pop up, I'm on M&E, you know what I'm saying? They just, it's like they're fighting to like say, man, no, Gordy, you know what I'm saying? But ain't nothing they could do in the last American rock star and rock. Then after that, Anakin, what are they going to do about Anakin? The sickest horrorcore album that is going to be so classic horrorcore. So I don't know what the fuck. I don't care, man. <laughs> um, speaking to the the last of the American rock stars, how uh, how did this project come about? Where did the foundation for the project uh, well, start? About ten years ago, I, I was going to put out an album called Lars. You know, said the last American rock star. Mm-hmm. And but I I wanted to do like you know some heavy metal type shit. You know, just all type of pop, like, right? You know, like pop rock, classic rock shit. But you know, it never materialized. And so, um, you know, me and Bizarre, we used to call ourselves the Branch Davidians. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a little, little subsidiary of me being from the Fat Killers and him being from D12. You know, we got together and formed our own little shit, you know. and we, But we, nothing, nothing ever really came out of it. Then one day, Busy came to me and was like, yo, man, I really don't want to call ourselves the Branch Davidians because, you know, people, you know, uh, family, you know, had in there and shit. And, you know, they have surviving families. And this shit just ain't cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know we're trying to be dark and crazy, but that's just a little too much. You right. know what I'm saying? I said, okay, fuck it. I was like, damn, man, so fuck it. We just King Gordy and Bazaar. And, you know, so I said, but I think we should name, name the album Lars. 
Last American Rock Star. Like Last American Rock Stars. He was like, man, fuck that. That's our name. Okay. <laughs> and that's how we were born. So something, I mean, kind of rock and metal and stuff like that is more, and older, like hip-hop and rap, is more my wheelhouse. But it kind of got me thinking, you know, as I was thinking of the, the name itself for the project and, and the op- subsequently the album title, do you think we have run out of rock stars in the traditional sense? Um, you know what, man? I keep I had this debate with this guy on uh, on um, Instagram. You know, so I, I, I said I, I posted a um, picture and said, uh, "American rock star." He was like, "But Gordy, you're not a rock star." I say, "Why you say that?" He was like, "Man, you're one of the, the greatest hip hop rapper, like you know, ever or whatever." No, he was a fan. You know what I'm saying? But he was like, mm-hmm. "You know, I you know, but you ain't a rock star." I say, "What's a rock star?" He's like, "Man." You, you got to be in the band. I say, man, no, bro. I say, old, dirty bastard was a rock star. Yeah. Proof was a rock star. Yes. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, bro, rock star is a fucking way of life. That yeah. is a lifestyle, sir. It ain't about seeing no fucking hair band or being in the, you know, or no bullshit like that. Rock star is a state of mind. It's how you walk into a place. It's your attitude. Are you a rock star? Yes, I am. And I definitely think <laughs> it's funny because as I was thinking about it and talking to some a friend of mine who uh, works with me and is very very avid uh, fan of your music and stuff and was kind of telling me a lot more information than even at times I could process. But I was just like you know having some beers and talking about your career and so forth with him, and I was like you know I, I it's funny because I feel like rap has become the new rock stars honestly i was like if you're thinking about what a rock star used to mean when we talked about you know like you said a hair metal person or whatever it was someone who kind of had this just this attitude of like i'm i guess to a degree i'm better than you and you know these i have all these things that you may want and and so forth like they were the rock stars they were the people that came from when i go and i feel like rock rappers now are living more the rock star lifestyle because it sort of got frowned upon like they oh, are like, like stop at, man they are man look at my fucking uh uh, what's the young kid's name? Uh, uh, Ray Smurd. Man, they don't do rock and roll music, but man, you go to their fucking shows and it looks like they got fucking guitars and a drummer. Yeah, well, I was gonna you know say a lot. They of... even dress like right. That's what I'm saying. Even when I was when I was young, this is the thing. You know, so people say I be bitter and shit like Lil Uzi Vert and all them guys. It's not even that. You know what I'm saying? But y'all call yourselves. Man, the young guys call themselves rock stars because it is a state of mind, and they do feel like that. But when you listen to their music, it's really just typical trap rap. Do you agree? Right. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. But they they sell an exactly. image. It's, it's they sell like, an it's, image. It's not though. like they're being innovative and different. They're doing trap rap. They're, they're sounding like future with the auto tunes, but they're calling themselves rock stars because it's a state of mind, and that's how they feel. They even you know try to dress like rock stars and shit. You know. Yeah. Because that's it's it's, it's like I said, it's an identity. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't have to do the music. They just feel like we're rock stars. I can't be mad at them for that. I used to be upset like you. Like, man, what the fuck? Y'all not rock stars. But <laughs> then I would be contradicting myself if I said that. Because right. that's how I feel. The only difference is I was one of the first to ever do that. You know what I'm saying? When I came from Detroit, bro. And then Detroit, you know, this real flashy city, man. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the Cartier girl glasses, you know what I'm saying? The Louis Vuitton, you know, loafers and Motherfuckers here is on some real dope dealer shit. So when I come to a hip hop joint and I got on spike bracelets and fucking wallet chains and fucking uh, Metallica shirts on in 1999 and 2000, that was unheard of. Yeah. I had two horns on my head, a black guy rapping about crazy shit, doing rock influenced songs. That was unheard of. Yeah. It's funny. All I, all I just said is I'm just an original rock star. That's what I call it, an OG, original rock star, man. That's it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. That's what it's all about. It's just a, it's all a state of mind. Do you feel I'm a rock star in your personal opinion? I mean, you have the, the, the qualities and the things that I think make people, when you think of someone who's a rock star, I think you ha- possess those qualities. I, 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 fit, I, fit, them, I fit that the, 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 the characteristics of that up, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so and, it's safe to say I'm a rock star. And, and I'm gonna say a fucking but the only difference with me is honestly I can't, I've done rock songs though, like I've done like worshiping Wonderman, and stress that's full blown rock, like right. the machine style rock. You know what I'm saying? 
But even then, I mean, using Rage Against the Machine as the comparison for, it, for this specific example, there were people who said that Rage Against the Machine wasn't really a rock or a metal band at times. So they were fucking rock. Then Zach, fucking rock and roll star. Yeah, flat out. There ain't no walking the ring around that. No, not at all. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like I said to me, bro. Old Wu Tang Clan, old dirty bastard. Yeah. He wasn't a rock star. He was a fucking rock star. He was. Like there was nowhere. He was. I don't give up. He didn't give up. He pulled up in a limo with food stamps, with <laughs> money in his hand. He's a rock star, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That's the way I feel. You know what I'm saying? Kind of going back to the rock stars, the last of the American rock stars album. Um, something I had kind of wondered was there any differences that. Because it, it was kind of weird because when I was kind of looking to see if you'd done any collab records sort of like this one with Bizarre, I came back to the, the How to Gag a Maggot record you did with Jimmy Don, and I was wondering if there mm-hmm. were any differences or similarities maybe that you, you noticed while you were working on this record compared to that. Um, no, you see, the, the thing with Jimmy Don is that was like a business thing. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, I, was, I was paid to, um, you know, to, to do a, um, a project with him. I was more so a work for hire. That wasn't more so like of a thing me and him came up with and said, yo, let's do this and that. So I was, I was simply, you know, travel to Jimmy Don, he's a very talented guy. But like, yeah, that's, that was, you know what I'm saying? Me literally, you know, being paid for my services. Okay. I just kind of had wondered because I know, you know, that was kind of the closest sort of thing like this project where I could kind of be like, okay, like this is you working with somebody else on a full, full album. So I wasn't sure if there were any, like, you know, it's like, oh, this kind of reminds me of like when I did this record or if there was a story that you could maybe elaborate on uh, like that. But Oh, no, that, that's, that, that's like cut and dry right there. That's, yeah. That oh. was just a business um, venture. Okay. This right here, this is my heart and soul, Last American Rockstar. This, um, this is my group. So then kind of going and kind of going back through your, your back catalog of, of music, there was a song in particular that kind of made me come up with this question. Uh, you got the song Fuck Your Feelings. And to me, like, it's, it's a fun something that kind of used to be back in the old hip hop that I remember growing up to. Like, you know, you had like diss tracks where like the people you were with, you were kind of like going after and shit like that. And it was fun. Uh, and it was just kind of like seeing right. if you could top the other person. And it wasn't necessarily, it was never personal. Like everyone kind of like good friends can like rip on each other and you know, it's just fucking all in fun. And so I was wondering mm-hmm. if uh, there's a difference between doing something like that to mentioning other artists, like, you know, you've mentioned Tyler, the creator or Justin Bieber. And I've wondered if potentially any of those people have ever gotten back to you and been like, Hey, like I heard this track you did or anything like that. Or have you heard of if, if the, if the songs have gotten to them at all? Uh, no, I'm not, I, I, I'm not mainstream famous enough for them to want to respond to me. They respond to bizarre before they want to respond to me. Hey, you just never know with these things though. Like I said, I had something. I mean, I mean who's to say, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying he's, you know, uh, never heard it or nothing, but I just, I mean, who am I to them? You know, say I'm underground, man. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm just an ant in the sand, brother. Yeah. Uh, the last two questions. This one, I, this will be like the end to the the interview itself, kind of, and then the other one's just kind of a more fun thing. But in in thinking and reading some of your lyrics and, and just kind of everything that I could find on you in preparation for this, it got me thinking. You know, as you say, you're the king of horrorcore. And I have been wondering, with your over-the-top lyrics and stuff, what is the most normal thing you do in your day-to-day life that maybe would surprise your fans? Um, my day-to-day life? Shit, man. Uh, hmm. I'm a pretty good cook, man. I like to, um, it's... I like to try to... I like to go <laughs> on, um, like, Martha Stewart and, um, and, like, look at recipes. Okay. And, like, try to emulate those. So okay. I guess that's about the weirdest shit I'd probably do. It's funny. The the person I was talking with when I was kind of going through this and being like, is this a stupid question? So when we were kind of, right. like, wrapping up, having some beers and shit and just having a good time, and I was like, I go, I wonder what the fucking most normal day-to-day thing that, like, people wouldn't expect. And I go, I bet the, I bet King Gordy makes a killer fucking, like, homemade bread or something. And he was, like, just laughing. Yeah. And I was like, I bet it's cooking. And he goes, you think? And I go, dude, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's cooking. Like, cooking is a thing that yeah. when you do it and, and you can do it well, people seem genuinely shocked. Like, 
there's stuff like I've made homemade pizza, like deep dish pizza. And I've shown people like the photos and they're like, you bought that, right? I'm like, no, I fucking made that. And they're like, how did you do it? And it's like, you just make it from scratch, right. find a fucking pizza dough recipe and just fucking do it how you want to do it. But like people don't yeah. seem to want to put in the work. So it just surprises people that like, if you can cook re- like moderately well, people seem very shocked by that. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. So what's your, yeah, uh, man, what's your, what's your best dish you think that you can make? Uh, I, I like good shrimp and grits, man. New Orleans style. Okay. Spicy. Awesome. And then uh, I always end these episodes out with a song. So, what would you like me to end the episode with? Uh, you could play um the last American rock stars by um Lars. Okay, definitely. And is there a fun story you have about making that song or anything? Uh, we just uh we came together. We just in a, was in a grimy ass basement. In a, it was a studio with the. You know what I'm saying with the with the old ass records, man. And we just it's a vibe there, man. We really felt rock stars then because we was like, yeah, but we we finna do this shit. So it, it's it's one of those special songs to me. Awesome. It was, and, like, uh, it was like the start off. And uh, where can people find you or Lars? And will there be any touring? I haven't seen anything about touring. Oh well, you know the album drops. You know, last year the rock stars dropped February 16th. So after that, you'll start hearing tour dates, stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe hopefully we'll see you here in Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, soon in the upcoming months. And, definitely, uh, definitely. See you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and thank you for your time, and uh, hopefully you have enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, sir. So that was my conversation with King Gordy, one half of the duo that makes up Lars, Last American Rock Stars. It was really cool, like I said, to talk to someone that's uh, in a slightly different world uh, musically than than I'm accustomed to uh, talking to on this podcast and in general. And, you know, it was really interesting, you know, kind of getting a different perspective uh, on the horrorcore scene. Like, you know, it was something obviously living here in Michigan. You know, I remember when ICP really broke between like the Tunnel of Love EP and even, the you know, the Great Malenko and, and so on and so forth as far as like their discography and hearing about a lot of the different people that they were working with. And sometimes what's really interesting to think about as far as a music scene like that is I wasn't sure if ICP was big because we lived here in Michigan or if they really were as big as it seemed like they were based on the the people, the, the huge cross-section of people that listened to them at my, my middle school and high school years. And so it was interesting to hear King Gordy say in this this interview uh, about how, you know, basically he's not saying anything that's not really being shown on the news or not being, you know, pushed as far as that kind of shit. And it's, it was kind of really thought-provoking. Like, when he said that, I remember just kind of thinking to myself, like, internally, like, holy shit, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, um, so it was, you know, that's that's what's fun about doing these these interviews and these conversations with people is you never know what someone's going to say that sometimes will open your mind to a completely different perspective that maybe you're not seeing because it's not it's not your perspective that you have uh, currently. And I think overall, that's just kind of a good mindset or a narrative really to approach everyone's, you know, individual like lives, like the fact that you can learn from somebody, even if you think you have they have nothing to offer you. And uh, I, I definitely think that's one thing I've, I've really enjoyed about doing this podcast over the last year or so is, you know, taking little bits and pieces of different people's lives and trying to, you know, take that knowledge that I've learned from them and, and put it into my own daily life. Uh, so, you know, I'll definitely be thinking about, you know, what King Cordy said about about how, you know, our news and such, you know, they put out a lot of horrible, horrendous shit and that, you know, there's nothing worse really than you can say than the reality of our actual lives. Uh, sometimes as far as what's being covered. I also thought it was really interesting that, uh, you know, the idea, the concept basically of how ICP maybe should have handled the twisted situation. I know that it seems like, you know, there's some, some bad, bad blood between the two groups potentially. Um, and, you know, mixing business and all that kind of stuff always, it's kind of a, a really rough area to kind of, you know, put friends and, and, you know, colleagues and coworkers and so forth and, and kind of mix money and business and so on and so forth. But it was really interesting to hear King Gordy's idea of like what could have happened with that relationship to make it work. Uh, you know, as soon, and again, you know, as he was saying that, it was just like, oh man, that, that really does make a lot of sense. And it's not saying that maybe ICP should, should hang it up. But, I mean, it gets to the point where, you know, you could actually probably be worth more if you were to go away at that point 
And, you know, if you made them the face of your label, then, you know, like like we said, or like I said, that basically, you know, in wrestling terms, that's kind of what you're supposed to do to, to keep your company going. You always have your older talent put over the new talent and then usher in the new era of the company. And it definitely seemed like, you know, the more I thought about that even, that it's like, man, that would have been a, a really good career move, I think, for, for ICP to kind of just kind of do their thing a lot slower and less omnipresent uh, for the label and so forth and kind of let Twisted be the new face of the label and, and put, you know, them forward. So it was, you know, like I said, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with uh, some of these people you talk to. And uh, it was definitely one of those things where, you know, some interesting things were, were said and, and discussed. And, you know, it was really eye-opening for me to, to talk to King Gordy. Um, the, the rock star comment, too, that King Gordy makes, you know, like, you know, we talk about, you know, are there rock stars left? And oddly enough, I ended up doing a podcast chat with Lucas Rossi that'll be coming out uh, in a handful of weeks. And for those who don't remember him, Lucas Rossi was the winner of Rockstar Supernova with uh, Tommy Lee, Gilby Clark, and Jason Newstead. It was a reality TV show, kind of one of the first of its kind. But he actually had mentioned that, you know, Tommy Lee and the, and the tour that that band ended up doing was really like the last rock star. And... In talking to King Gordy and then, you know, Lucas Rossi mentioning that he was kind of the last rock star and the the comments that I had made about how rappers basically now are the rock star, I really do think that the, the guys in bands in the 80s and so forth were really the last rock stars in the traditional sense of being in a rock band. I don't know if it's because it became cliche to to live that extravagant lifestyle, if it was due to the fact that the infamy that came with a lot of it, you know, the drugs and excess and the, the divorces and the losing lots of money and so on and so forth. But it definitely seems like rappers have embraced that lifestyle and just taken it further. Um, so it, it was kind of an interesting parallels between uh, that conversation and this one. Uh, once again, you know, just you never know. <laughs> you know, you could talk to two people on completely different ends of the spectrum. And, you know, there's there's commonality there. Um, so who would have thought? If you would like to follow King Gordy on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow him at Hail King Gordy, all one word. Although his Twitter like username or whatever, that's not the actual at, uh, is Blacksel Rose, and I thought that was really fucking great. Um, so <laughs> uh, shout out to King Gordy for having a really great rock star uh, Twitter handle there or a Twitter name or whatever it actually is, the secondary name that you can put on there. Uh, you can also find uh, Lars on Instagram and Facebook at Last American Rockstars. That's all one word as well. Uh, again, Twitter and Instagram for King Gordy, Hail King Gordy. Uh, Last American Rockstars on Facebook and Instagram at Last American Rockstars. If you would like to follow Moshpit Nation, you can at moshpitnation.com. Uh, once again, you know we are plugging a lot of different shit over there on the website between this podcast, uh, actual written interviews with different band people. We do album reviews, uh, show updates, and, you know, we're just, like I said, we've been trying to really expand what we're doing over here at moshpitnation.com. We actually launched a brother uh, website for the EDM scene that's been coming, or that is becoming very popular here in Michigan between, you know, sold out shows at some of our bigger venues. Uh, Detroit's uh, movement festival is right around the corner. Uh, that does really well every year, bringing in thousands of people. You know, we have electric forest, uh, here in Michigan and just all the other EDM scene <clears throat> shows all around the Midwest and all around the world, really. So, um, you know, like I said, we here at moshbitnation.com are branching out. We are trying to be just involved in all kinds of music because, you know, as much as we are metalheads, some of us love hip-hop, some of us love the indie scene, some of us love punk rock, some of us love EDM, you know, we are all very versed in a lot of different styles of music, so it has been a pleasure to be a part of this growing site and being a part of the change of trying to raise awareness of all these different music scenes and genres and so forth. So if you would like to follow Moshpit Nation and keep up with what we are doing over there, like I said, you can go to moshpitnation.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Moshpit Nation West, capital M-I. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are just moshpitnation.com. And if you would like to keep up with what the podcast is doing more specifically, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod. And you can email me at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. And as you heard, uh, I always end these episodes with uh, songs. And I am going to end it with the title track off of the upcoming album, 
This is Last American Rockstar by Lars, a.k.a. Last American Rockstars. Uh, this album, again, is out on February 16th via Magic Ninja Entertainment. It's really weird. Uh, Andy, the person I talked about in the intro, uh, every time I go to say Magic Ninja Entertainment, I think of uh, this like thing, how he says, like if you say it fast enough, it sounds like you're saying M-N-E, enemy, basically. Uh, so whenever I see the word written out or I think about saying it in the long form, all I can think of is hearing the uh, NM. MNE. So thanks, Andy, for that. And anytime I go to say it, I, I sound like I'm having a stuttering problem because I, I mentally think of that. So uh, without further ado, this is Last American Rock Stars by Lars. Talk to you next week. American rock star on earth yeah. Floating off the sands and a lot of birds <laughs> Bitch, I'm on coke yeah. It's been this way since I've been signed to Interscope yeah. Young and swift, rich and cocky yeah. Who you think got Marshall on oxys? Yeah. Life ain't simple, I didn't pierce my nipple I'm drinking straight ripple Cocaine, spent a hundred grand Took a hundred zan and fucked around and fucked a man Caught an SDD Fuck it, I hope it ain't HIV Dropped the album, went on vacation And said, fuck my daughter's graduation Nigga, I'm Miles Davis yeah. Fuck that! Fuck that! Yeah. Lord Corkin, heroin in my van Shoot my drummer from the everybody right on stage I'll put a 12 get shotgun to my van Queen!